What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 33, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Spirits. Spirits! Spirits. And you can find us on Google Play Podcasts and on Apple Podcasts. And when you do so, give us some awesome ratings uh, and leave some reviews. That helps people find our podcast. Also on Spotify. You can find us there as well uh, if you just type in Stargate and uh, or walking through the Stargate if you really want to find us like bang on the spot. Uh, when you, you do go. that, you can hit the little heart thing icon button doohickey. I'm not sure exactly what it does, but, you know, hey, it's it's like the elevator buttons, like the closed door buttons that, you know, are there for firefighters, but not really for us. But we're jamming them anyway. Makes us feel better. Yeah. And, absolutely. uh yeah, so uh, right, that's uh, that's a thing that you all can do. And uh, Zach, after they after they listen to us for a little bit and say, "My goodness, what I really want to do right now is that I want to tell Zach and I want to tell Brent just how amazing they are." How would how would well, they do that, Zach? Well, Brent, if if you out there want to stroke our egos a little <laughs> bit, the easiest way of doing that is to email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E yeah. at gmail.com. Yeah. Nice. It's a little bit later in the day. I'm a little bit more awake. Yes. And so it works better that way. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> we've had, we haven't gotten a whole lot of new email ad emails. Uh, this one. Um, no, nothing really big. Uh uh, Edward uh, did uh, send us an email uh, from Amanda Tapping's early career, but then uh, I invited him to post that onto uh, our Facebook group, yeah. and he did, and mm-hmm. uh, that has been duly noted there. And so there's another place that you can go to talk to us. Yeah. You can go to Facebook, the Facebook Walking yeah. Through the Stargate. Uh, we have a Facebook page. You can uh, follow us there and hit like on that. That's really helpful for us. And you can also join our Facebook group yep. where uh, we've had some fun conversation lately. Uh, yep. People have been asking um, uh, how many times we've gone through the, the series. Uh, lots of different answers. Um, I had to publicly uh, confess that uh, I have not seen the last episode, the uh, last season of Atlantis, nor the last season of Stargate Universe. Ah, well, you know, Zach, if this whole thing, if if we just don't stop doing what we're doing, then eventually right. we'll get there. Yeah, I know, and and then uh, it, it's possible by the time we get there, I will have seen it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because that has been my intention for yeah. a number of years. But sure. as you know, life gets in the way of things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So I haven't been able to do that, uh, and uh, yeah, so. But uh, go to Facebook, our Facebook group, and uh, hang up there and have some fun chatting with us and uh, do whatever. Even uh, I am engaging with that Facebook group. I know. It's... Which... Uh. Okay, guys. <laughs> I, I, I cannot describe how, how lucky you are <laughs> to have Brent's participation on Facebook. <laughs> So Brent and I have been friends for a long, long time, yeah, it has been a long and time. Uh, we have several different groups of friends that do different things together, uh, and trying to get a hold of him via Facebook over the last decade has been nigh on impossible. Yeah, it's because, yes, no, we're not going to, I'm not going to get on my soapbox. I'm not going to do nope. it. Nope. 
Uh, so the fact that he is there for you, you are very lucky indeed. You see, I know this, Zach, and you know this, and thank you for sharing that with folks, because now they know this, but, uh, 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 anyway, what else? There's another way that, uh, no, there's, there's another social media platform. Yes, yes, Twitter. We uh-huh. do actually have a presence on Twitter, and this is apparently Brent's preferred mode of social media which is hilarious Uh, because i'm barely there either (laughs) well fair enough uh but anyway if you follow us at stargate walking you can interact with us on twitter Mm -hmm. and by us i mostly mean brent like once every couple of weeks or so i will pop on there just to see if anything's happened and yeah so uh my twitter involvement is very small but (laughs) you can be there yes and uh so yeah uh also so brent you remember uh, a couple weeks ago uh we were trying to figure out the right name for the listeners yes and well so far i have gotten but one response but it's a good one yeah uh he suggests that since this is about stargate Yes. And we are walking through the Stargate. Yes. Uh, that we go with gate walkers. That that, like that we are that. all gate walkers that yeah. walk through the Stargate together. Yeah. We're gate so, walkers. Uh, we're yeah. gate walkers. So uh, welcome aboard, gate walkers. <laughs> yeah. I like the yeah. ring. Or, well, get it, ring. <laughs> ring. <laughs> I, I like uh, I like I like uh, I like that that has a nice ring to it. I'm gonna stick uh, with that pun. Just gonna, I'm just gonna hang go. on to it. Uh, Not gonna let that one go. You know what? Hold on really tight. Hold Otherwise, on, you might on. fall down. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, okay, I like that. Yeah. Shall we uh, dig into this a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So this episode, Spirits, is directed by Martin Wood. Mm-hmm. This is his fifth directing credit for Stargate SG One. Mm-hmm. We've seen him in season one with Solitudes and Politics. And we've seen him uh, in season two with In the Line of Duty and The Gatekeeper. I'm not the Gatekeeper. The yeah. Gamekeeper. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So I can't read my own typing. <laughs> uh, uh, he has a total of 48 directing credits. And uh, what I have decided to do is tell you about Martin Wood. Um, but this is not the Martin Wood who directed. This is simply <laughs> another one of the Martin Woods <laughs> out there. <laughs> This particular Martin Wood was born on June 24th, 1970. Oh, uh, okay. by the way, I'm pulling this from, oh, I didn't know it. I think it's uh, from Wikipedia. Sure. Okay. Pretty sure it's Wikipedia. Um, June 24, 1970. He's a former professional rugby league footballer oh, of the okay. 1980s, 90s, and 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played as a standoff or loose forward for Halifax, Scarborough Pirates, uh, Kaylee Cougars, Sheffield Eagles, and Workington Town. Sure. Awesome. Sure. Um, and so in 2009, he immigrated uh, from the UK to Australia with mm-hmm. his wife, Joanne, and family. And uh, he was inducted to the Kaylee's Hall of Fame in 2011. There's more information about Martin Wood uh, that you can go to (laughs) Wikipedia, yeah, (laughs) Wikipedia, and find out. Uh, So there you go. That's Martin Wood. All right. All right. One of the many. Uh, Apparently, (laughs) what? 
One of the many, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, let's see here. I think there were a total of four Martin Woods on Wikipedia, and uh, I talked about the two others uh, on previous podcasts. Oh, so we got one season. more left? Uh, no. Well, the one more left is the one that actually directed Stargate. Oh, him. <laughs> cares about that one <laughs> yeah you've already forgotten about him <laughs> oh my gosh that's awesome <laughs> all right um one one note brent uh is that as we move on mm-hmm. uh martin wood has a uh is usually in one of the shots in his shows oh uh as one okay. of the background characters uh, I don't know if he was in this episode. I didn't look that closely for him. Sure, okay. Um, but uh, you can usually find him with a really giant wrench. So pay attention <laughs> to that as we move forward. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> like, are we talking like a pipe wrench or just a big wrench? Like like, uh, like a big, huge crescent wrench yeah oh boy okay all right um uh, uh, you know something like that it's mm-hmm. been a while since i've seen it so i can't remember exactly just a really big wrench i'll, I'll, t- uh, I'll keep an eye out for it yep um the teleplay is by tor alexander valenza mm-hmm. this is his first of seven writing credits over uh, the next three seasons of sg1 uh he has been a story editor uh, for a while on the show and will be until like season four or so. Mm-hmm. Um, some of his other story credits include Dharma and Greg in 2001. He wrote an mm-hmm. episode called Pride and Prejudice. Okay. In 2002, he wrote an episode of The Dead Zone, Enigma. Uh, he was born 1967 in on April 5th. But mm-hmm. he's currently a solar marketing executive uh for somewhere really? yeah huh uh he's known as solar freight so apparently after he finished uh stargate sg1 and these couple yeah. other gigs he decided to hang yeah. up his uh television series writing hat and sell solar panels i guess uh-huh he's known as solar fred <laughs> solar uh, fred that's what it says here, Solar Fred, and he writes several blogs about solar energy for businesses and consumers. Um, this is this is a stunning turn of events. Like, yep. Th- and also, if you go from like you know like crafting believable lies for a living in the form of stories into selling, th- <laughs> I don't know if that bodes very well. <laughs> well, you know, who knows. Uh, let's see here. So he's also written and directed some plays, including Uptown Number Nine, Tanya with Bloomingdale's Bag, which was produced as part of a ten-minute play festival in Missouri. Hmm. Okay. Mississippi, not Missouri. Sorry, my mistake. Uh, so that's a little bit about Tor Alexander Valenza. Uh, we've got a few guest actors in this show. We've got Rodney Grant, who mm. plays Tonani. Uh, he is actually a Native American actor, so mm-hmm. good on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born on the 9th of March, 1959. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in a number of, he's been in a number of things throughout his career, uh, including Dances with Wolves. Oh, huh. Yeah. Uh, Alex Zahara plays Zales. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born in Grand Prairie, Grand Prairie Alberta, Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and according to IMDb, uh, according to according to the trivia on him in IMDb, he was he's played nine different characters on SG One. This was his first appearance. Okay. Um, however, when you look at his actual credits, I only counted eight. So there you go. So we'll see Alex Zahara again. Uh, several more times as the cool. series progresses, mm-hmm. uh, but we won't see Zales again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, we've got Christina Cox playing Takaya. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was born just outside of Toronto on July 30th, 1971, mm-hmm. and she will also appear in one more episode of SG-1 as a different character. Cool. So, there you go. There you uh, go. The original air date for Spirits is October 23, 1998. This was uh, two weeks after Tokra Part 2, so they took a week off after that mm. one. Okay. Uh, number one on the charts for uh, for this was in the United States, The First Night by Monica. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, had, it was uh, number one last week, and then it dropped out of the number one spot to the number two spot. And now it's right back up there to number one. So gotcha. good on you, Monica. Yeah, well and done. And in the UK, it was Jim and Tonic by Space Dust. I love this. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that one up, too. I don't know. I don't know that one. Uh, I might recognize it, but uh, interesting. Okay. Okay. So Jim as he is, as Brent is pulling that up for us to yeah. jam on as uh-huh. we continue... Uh, the box office for this week was Pleasantville, number one. Yeah. Practical Magic, number two. Ants, number three. Bride of Chucky, number four. <laughs> and Soldier. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I don't remember Soldier at all. I don't remember Soldier either. Um, so. Uh, are we ready to jam? Yeah, uh, we've been jamming jam? all this time. I we've probably faded it out by now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. You know, I just... Yeah, anyway. What was happening (laughs) at this point in time? On October 20th, just a few days before this aired, comedian Richard Pryor is awarded the first ever Mark Twain Prize uh, for American humor. Ah. So, good on you, Richard Pryor. On the 23rd, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict... Uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Palestinian Chairman Yasser Arafat Arafat reached a land for peace agreement, which both sides pretty much promptly ignored and continued fighting, and now it's been 21 years later and they're still fighting. Yeah. Uh, October 23, same day, Britney Spears releases her debut single, Baby One More Time. Yeah, oh boy. Oh boy. And thus began the reign of right. Britney. The reign, not like rain, like like like, like like raining out of the sky raining? No, not that kind of rain. No. Okay, fine. Apparently also, that song 23rd. was written by, uh, I can't remember who wrote it, but English was not this person's first language. And hence, oh, really? Yes, hence that really problematic uh, chorus, which everybody loves to sing about, which seems to insinuate some kind of domestic violence, and it actually was somebody's misunderstanding about the English language, and was just really kind of trying to uh, create a phrase that meant, like, you know, hey, like, let's get together. Like, (laughs) so... (laughs) 
And then there's uh, that. Sort of like, yeah, there, like, like, hey, hit me up type of thing. Basically. Yeah. Uh, but hit me up and hit me are right. different things. Those are different things. Uh, also on October 23, Amanda Stenberg, an American actress, was born in Los Angeles, California. And that name meant something to me only in that she played Rue in the Hunger Games movie. Oh. Uh, that was uh, um, the the sister that, that was yeah. originally called to go to the Hunger Games, and then yep. uh, What's-Her-Name decided to take her place. Yep. There yep. you go. There you go. And on October 25, Punky Brewster actor Soleil Moon Fry, who was 22 at this point in time, weds television producer and actor Jason Goldberg, who was 26, at the Wilshire Ebel Theater in Los Angeles, California. Do you remember that show, Punky yeah. Brewster? Oh, sure that- do. Okay. Yeah. There you go. All right. Shall we move on? We shall. Let's do it. All right. Let's, let's Trivia. Move it along. The ancient Salish are indigenous to the Pacific Northwest and Western Canada. Um, oddly enough, the same region where the show is filmed. Shocking how that works. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, huh. That is kind of a nice nod towards, you know, the the realities of of that area. So that's kind of cool in that regard. Uh, the spirit name of Takaya was taken from the Tslail Wautooth word. I butchered that. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Takaya, which means wolf. Uh, the, that particular tribe, uh, or group of Native Americans, their territory include Vancouver, also where the, uh, SG-1 was filmed. Nice. Cool. So, a couple of goofs in this one. After Takaya is in disguise as a wolf, um, she lets a few soldiers disappear who are running towards the wolf in a hallway and you can clearly see a hand signaling the wolf to continue walking <laughs> towards it. <laughs> I missed that one. Um, uh, after Takaya finishes taking, uh, talking to the spirit impersonating General Hammond about destroying the base, uh, if the two lose contact, she morphs back into her wolf form, and as she is doing so, you can see a string tied around the wolf's leg to her tail. Uh, this one I actually noticed... Uh, the the wolves were actually uh, the wolf was actually a husky. Uh, okay, and of course, yeah. huskies typically have their tail flailing up, but wolves have their tail lying down, and so that string was tied to her leg and her tail so that it would stay down like uh-huh. a wolf would have. Huh. I see. Um, and then apparently at about the five fifteen mark, Captain Carter holds her MP five. Uh, in a manner that would almost certainly have resulted in an injury if she had fired the weapon. Her thumb was apparently resting on the path of the reciprocating bolt uh, handle. Yeah, and, okay. And uh, it would have been like, bang, and then bang, yep. bang, bang. Yeah, that would yep. have been really, really bad. Yep. Um, me, not knowing anything about guns at all, did not notice that, or wouldn't have noticed that or recognized that that was a problem. Yeah, I, but, I, uh, wouldn't, I wouldn't either, but I do know of that type of a problem the, the folks you know that if uh if, if if one were to hand you a prop gun uh and you were to hold it with two hands the odds are really good that if you're not used to doing it you would you would fold one thumb over the other which would which if it were an actually if it were a real weapon it would actually injure your thumb pretty badly which is yeah 
different than how you're supposed to hold it. Whatever. Okay. Yes. All right. Yep. So there you go. Uh, in any case, uh, weapons, bad. Holding them wrong is bad. Yes. Um, so, all right. Uh, synopsis. Are you ready for this, Brent? This is yes, synopsis I am ready. from Stargate Command with some of Brent's own edits. Yes. SG-1 is briefed about SG-11 finding trinium, a rare and powerful metallic element on PXY-887, and that SG-11, who was sent to mine more trinium, is 48 hours overdue. While they are in the briefing, the Stargate starts dialing, and SG-11's GDO code is transmitted, but instead of the team, an arrow shoots through the gate, smashing a window in the gate control room. Colonel Jack O'Neill sits up before collapsing into Dr. Daniel Jackson's arm, where it is revealed that the arrow has gone straight through the glass and into his right arm. Jack, grounded for some days due to his injury, uh, with him grounded for some days, Captain Samantha Carter gets command of SG-1 for this mission, her first command. On PXY-887, SG-1 discovers the mining site, but SG-11 seems to have just disappeared. While investigating a Salish clan crest, SG-1 is taken down by tranquilizer arrows. After waking up, they find themselves in a village, a couple of days' walk away from the mining site. Just pause there for a minute. A couple of days' walk. That means they're way overdue at the SGC. I didn't really put that together until I was going over the synopsis. Yeah, I didn't notice that. I didn't think about that until now. But right, yeah, wow, and that's some serious darts. Right, <laughs> there was a lot in that little that little sentence there. That I'm like, oh, I mean, I thought in that moment they were talking about some other mining site for some reason. I don't know why, but whatever. Yeah. All right. In any case, oh wait a minute. Pause what? that note. They were talking about another mining site. They were talking about an alien mining site. The how they how they. This, no, they were talking about their own mining site. I don't think so. They were talking about that right there. They were talking, they were looking at the hut and they were like, wow, look at all this trinium. It's like woven into things. How do they manufacture it? I wonder where their manufacturing site is. A couple of days walk, says, uh, says Tanane when he walks in the building. Hmm. I suppose you could maybe do that. Uh, okay. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Carrying we'll on. keep going. Uh, let's see here. SG-1 meets Tonani, a confident, comfortable man who is happy to answer their questions. When asked where SG-11 is, Tonani doesn't know. He suggests SG-1 asks the spirits. Oh, that Tanani, wasn't right either. That was my own edit. He did know. They're with the spirits. But where that well, meant. But he didn't know exactly. He actually, he did, he did oh, that's right. He, he didn't, he did actually say, I don't know where they are, but the spirits do. Well, no, that's not true. He said he, they're with the spirits. And right. they said... Where is that? And he said, you'd have to ask them. That's what it is. So, dear listeners, thank you for bearing with us while we literally are uh, editing this thing on the fly. Yeah. (laughs) This is quality podcasting. This is quality. (laughs) This is why we have... Never mind. Okay. (laughs) Tonani takes them to the forest where he points out a wolf and says it is Takaya, one of the spirits. Carter is not convinced that speaking to a wolf will help them. A raven appears, which is supposed to be Zales, and Daniel asks Zales to release SG-11. Zales squawks, and Daniel is sure Zales said he would release them, while Tonani thinks he said he would think about it. They continue to look around, but shortly afterwards, Zales catches up to them, and SG-11 walks out of some mist. 
Having found SG-11, they meet with the elders of the settlement, hoping to negotiate a mining treaty. The elders send Tonani with SG-1 and SG-11 back to Earth, where he can determine whether the Tauri's mining methods are acceptable. Back in Stargate Command, Tonani is shown some footage from mining operations, but he refuses to let this happen to their mountain. The methods are too wasteful and destructive. While Daniel shows him around the SGC, General Hammond informs SG-1 and SG-11 that he has been ordered to send a mining expedition regardless of Tonani's decision. SG-11 turns out to be the spirits, and they start to make everyone in the SGC disappear. Jack, Carter, and Teal'c are the only ones left after a Code 9 alert is sent through the base. Daniel hides with Tonani in a storage room. Jack Carter and Teal'c manage to incapacitate Zales and take him to the infirmary, infirmary, where Daniel and Tonani catch up with him. Teal'c and Daniel go to the Stargate Operations Room in order to gate 2PXY887 and appeal to the Elders. In the gate room, Daniel meets with Takaya, who was blocking the way. He tries to explain things and asks, in exchange for Zales, that the spirits listen to him. After the spirits have healed Zales, they immediately are transported to the gate room, and Zales wants to destroy the SGC. But after talking with Daniel and Jack, they agree to leave them. Return everyone and bury the gate on the other side. They also come to an agreement with Tanani to show themselves in their real form rather than in the form of animals. The end. The end. So, Brent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> spirits. Yeah. What'd you think? <clears throat> All right. Uh-oh, he's getting ready. Yeah. I'll start with the good. Okay. Um, uh, nah, let me rephrase that. I'll start with the middling stuff. There was an awful lot about this episode that just felt like it was on kind of thin ice. And only because... Well, probably because I was expecting it to kind of fall flat in the same way that it did with Emancipation. Uh-huh. Um, and as the show went on, I was finding that the, 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 the involvement of the, what is it, the Salish tribe? Yeah. Um, wasn't bad. Uh, it, it didn't, I think it was because the story was running kind of parallel and the tribe itself, um, had very minimal engagement on the, the story. There were these, there were these spirits, there were these elders, these are, I'm sorry, these spirits are, or, um, um, you know, symbolic creatures that had been important to the tribe. Uh, and so in that respect, the, these details were, you know, deeply woven into the story itself. But the story was really about, and you know, this became kind of obvious to us what about midway through the show or this episode that this story was about this alien species that were. Uh, oh dear, I don't know if it's picking up on my mic, but big old thunder boom just outside. Anyway, uh-huh. um, uh, it was about the, these aliens who had taken the form of these spirits, and even in that moment, it didn't really feel. Um, disrespectful or disingenuous it just was like yeah this is this is the form we've chosen to take and 
and this entire tribe as being represented by this one person, um, you know, Tanane had this real carefree attitude in the good way that didn't make me feel like the wool getting pulled over their eyes was as grave an error as what might be, right? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. I really did like Tanane's real chill style. Like, the whole, like, I don't know, let's find out. You know, like, sounds, you know, without saying it, he was like, kind of like, sounds like you guys got a problem. I don't know. Like, you know, like <laughs> he just he just wasn't attaching himself to SG-1's uh, stuff or, you know, what, what, the, what, they, what they had going on. Um, you know, uh, the scene with the elders felt pretty plausible and it felt like they were just kind of like, I don't know, like, no, I don't, I don't think that these guys should just, you know, yank the key out of the mountain. You know, that sounds pretty dumb. Um, but why don't we go see what they can do? Uh, you know, and Tanani's like, I like to travel. (laughs) I mean, there was a lot of little (laughs) moments there where I was kind of laughing and like, you know, it just, it just felt, it just felt good. Um, there were aspects of the story, which, you know, like Zach, as you and I got kind of sidetracked there, where we were talking about, you know, what do they mean a couple days walk or whatever, um, that upon repeat, it's like, oh, uh, I'm not sure if that lines up and that didn't seem to make sense there. Um, but it wasn't heinous mm-hmm. and you know the the little angle i uh, you know the angle of the uh the protector spirits was kind of neat wasn't and you know and and uh <laughs> and a little bit of the uh, what was that line you know it's not it's time for them to see the power of the spirits or something like that you know i mean that was yeah. kind of cool um <laughs> and and you know i mean these are really powerful aliens and uh the actor who was playing uh the doctor who sounded the alarm when it was obvious that he was Zales and he had that little crow head twitch thing, that was mm-hmm. fun. Uh, yeah. And then uh, the actor who was playing Zales, I think, was also emulating that little head twitch thing, which was fun. I liked it. Um, and yeah, it had a big old happy ending at the end, but it didn't. I mean, it just was kind of. It was kind of fine. I was kind of fine with it. Hmm. Um, so it. It, it, it's a it, it's a kind of a middling episode, but more, for me, a little bit more on the positive side of middling, just because it was like, Meh, it was fine. Yeah. yeah, there were some parts about it that I liked, and there were parts about it that were a little like, oh, that's weird. But it wasn't enough to make me go like, what the heck's going on here? Now, hearing your th- when I turn this over to you and hearing your thoughts, mm-hmm. let me refer. Like, so yeah, I know where I'm at. I am highly malleable right now, right? Okay. Like. I'm like, it was all right. Um, but as we talk about it, if you were like, well, what about this? I'd be like, oh, right. Or what about that? I'd be like, that was great or something, right? Like, I could feel it going either way. I don't really have a very strong opinion about it. Okay. So it's my turn? It's your turn. All what right. What you got? So uh, I like the acting. I think the acting is very good in this episode. Yeah. Uh, I, I am pleased with Tonani's acting. Um and and the you know all the characters, uh, I thought the makeup on those aliens was really cool. The it was flailing really cool. uh, nostril things was a little bit gross, but also yes. cool. Uh, that was pretty neat. Uh, the special effects weren't anything exciting, 
Um, but uh, that said, the the morph from the the wolf to Takaya, the humanoid, uh, you know, that was pretty cool. Yep. Uh, the story actually works reasonably well. Uh, I only have one significant problem with this episode, and unfortunately for me, it's a huge one. Yeah. Uh, the the use of the Native Americans in this episode is 100% a trope. Every aspect of the yes. use of the, the Native, Indian, Native Americans in this episode is a trope from... Uh, the the uh, you know advanced culture taking them away and saving them from somebody else to yeah. aliens being their spirits to being the the nature loving uh, one with the earth type of characters that needs to be antithetical to what we are in the West, um, you know just every bit of it is a trope. And then you get a little bit of the the uh, the the white man trying to steal from the Indians. Now, admittedly, mm-hmm. they call that one out, but it's yeah. still there. Um, and then you've got, but even so, the whole thing has a a, a white man save the day type of quality to it. Um, the the Indians, if they have this trinium, even if it is trinium that is washed down through the river. I mean, they've got an entire friggin' wall of this trinium. Mm-hmm. And even though they're migratory, they seem to be migratory stuck 300 years in the past. That doesn't make sense to me. Cultures aren't stagnant. Right. And there's enough information that they could have had, especially with the technological, technological advance that they have from the aliens, uh, that the culture, I think, should have been something more. Uh, so, instead, it was, uh, you know, they, they were taking their axes and they were hammering out, you know, chiseling out uh, a wooden canoe in one yeah. scene. Uh, it, it's like they stepped out of 20th century into, uh, you know, Old West times, practically, right. um, with, without any type of real development there. Uh, it just bugs me. It bothers me. So, uh, And you could have taken this whole story. You could have taken the, the, uh, the Native American part out and just had an aboriginal species on that planet and you would have been able to do better with it that way than by trying to directly connect it to Earth's uh, Native American population. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's a trope, and it's done the way tropes are always done. And that's, that's a subtle but uh, also blatant form of racism, and right. it's not addressed at all in any way. So, uh, and it just bugs me. The the uh, sort of the tenuousness that I was feeling is pretty much right in line with what you're with what you're identifying. The only reason why I wasn't going all in with it was just because I was willing to say to myself, like, um, uh, it is completely possible for a culture to. Um, 
the Western European method of advancement is not the only way of advancement. Sure. Um, and it is possible for a group of people to uh, uh, to exist and to grow and to uh, become fully, uh, you know, not actualized, but, you know, like to, 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 to be uh, uh, deeply connected to themselves in a way that is satisfying to their group and to their individuals in ways that look... Uh, uh, backwards and um, um, peculiar, and you know, it's 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 within the realm of possibility that they were living exactly the way that they have desired, and that they were advancing in ways that don't manifest themselves in um, material uh, advancements. Uh, that doesn't necessarily jive with what appears to be their explanation. Oh, that okay. All right. Yes. Stick a pin in what I just said because that actually doesn't jive at all with the scene at the very beginning when that uh, trinium arrow goes shooting through the gate and pierces the bulletproof glass. Like they set that moment up as if it were, uh, you know, uh, 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 talking about a story of what would happen if a. Uh, if a tribe of first peoples or native Americans were sent to a spot and then they were able to advance uh, on their own free of uh, free of imposition or of cross-cultural pushback, like, what mm. would it look like? And, you know, like the first hint that we have at it is that they have developed a projectile, which is, um, which totally kicks butt. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's this first little hint of like, yeah, um, they are people and people are clever and clever people make things like this. And, you know, that's that, that's great. And then we land we land in the village and it is um, it is beautiful and it is rich and it is uh, it, it it feels uh you know, I'm hesitating to use the word authentic, but for my limited understanding about what that sh- what that scene should have looked like, it felt it felt authentic. Okay, like, right. This is this is what this is what these people would be doing. Except your point is well taken. They've they've developed this awesome ballistic projectile, and they're and they're using hand axes to carve out dugouts. Um, well, not only uh, that, but. Um the the velocity i mean yeah. even if it's a trinium point uh the trinium point by itself is not going to get through bulletproof glass the velocity with which that had to have been pro- tossed is astronomical and when yeah. we see them they've got these weird little slingshot crossbow things right yeah um, i mean which, i want to suspend my disbelief a little on that one like you know hey it looks okay. like kind of like a weirdo thing but whatever maybe it's more powerful than it but your point still is valid um, like yeah it, i i don't i just doesn't i don't buy it um and it, as i'm it, thinking about it like it crossed my mind uh vaguely but like you know so obviously somebody dialed the gate right and it wasn't yeah. sg11 uh and presumably it was somebody with one of these projectiles on the other side you know, well, I mean, there Tonani, was a lot about it. I mean, Tanani says that he was the one that was told by, I think, the spirits, I can't remember for sure, to shoot that arrow through. Now, that arrow that? is not the length of a standard arrow. I mean, that's like a crossbow bolt size. Yep, that's right. 
Right. Uh, now, it was way bigger than your standard crossbow bolt, but my goodness, to have something that large projected yeah. with that velocity, you need something way bigger than the guns that they had. So either they have it and they weren't showing it, or they really screwed up on consistency there. Um, in you know, there's another thing here that, that bugs me, and this is Stargate continuity. Um, even with the second gate found in Antarctica, yes, which which gives you a lot of wiggle room because you don't know exactly when that shut down and all of this stuff. Um, but these Salish people from northwestern America and uh, the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. uh, Vancouver area. I mean, now we're talking 1700s, maybe 1500s. Um, how the heck? Oh yeah, did they get yeah. to this other planet? Yeah, and yeah. ostensibly I mean, they went through the gate. Now this is continuity yeah. problems all over the place. And if they didn't go through the gate, um, well, actually, frankly, they were saved by. The, the 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 lore is they were saved by these aliens. Yes, um, which is also problematic, right there. I mean, well, the, the, the lore the, was the that aliens... they were captured. The lore was that they were captured by the Jaffa, and that the aliens overthrew the Jaffa and had been protecting them ever since. Well, you know, so that that begs a couple of questions: uh, where and when were they captured by the Jaffa, and um, if they were captured by the Jaffa and taken to this planet, uh, presumably they were taken to this planet for a specific reason, uh, and the aliens were already there. The aliens well, clearly back. have some kind of technology going on there. I mean, th- I'll push back a little bit just because the timelines are not quite that bonkers if we're willing to accept an Egyptian sarcophagus in a Mayan temple. So, you know, we were identifying it with Hathor, like, what? Like, that's eh, weird. Right. And then later, like, you know, they did the thing of, like, there's a second gate. And then we're, and then I'm like, oh, a second gate. That explains so much. Like, why was that sarcophagus go in, in that Mayan temple? But uh, it's possible for uh, a group of people in the Pacific Northwest who are related to the Salish tribe uh, to be abducted at around the same time that, for some reason, hieroglyphic artifacts and sarcophagus and, and ghoul sarcophaguses are being stuffed in Mayan temples. So, like, it's not that far off, but okay. it's still a little bit hinky because we've got the one gate that was buried in Egypt 10,000 years ago, more or less, and we've got another gate which is ensconced in ice in Antarctica, which is presumably the way that the Gould were getting up and down the the uh, the Americas, I guess. But it's still, you know, it's still a little, it's still definitely a little hinky. Yeah. Um. But you know, the the timeline aside, still, I I I would have appreciated this episode so much more if. Uh, they weren't Native Americans. I think... Um, or or if it were done completely different in such a way that it didn't follow every single trope yeah, that, that yeah. has been followed uh, since, uh, you know, the dawn of 
time. I think that the error here is that if they had envisioned, if the show writers had envisioned a Pacific Northwest tribe uh, in the same way that the writers for Black Panther had envisioned a, uh, a an African tribe-centric uh, reality, like they posed the question, what would Africa look like without colonialism? And they came up with Wakanda. If the writers had said, what would the Salish tribe look like without colonialism? What would happen? What would they have done? What would what would it have looked like? And that bolt, that arrow bolt was a beautifully tantalizing, uh, moment that, you know, it, it, it could have been like, yeah, um, they didn't develop guns as we know it. They developed this other thing or whatever. Right. You know, and like, and you know what what would they have any and so it's to your point of like what advancements would they have done i'm standing a little bit behind the notion of their version of advancement might not have looked like western's version of the western european version of advancement but it sure. still was presented to us like hey hey everybody who's watching television right now guess what we're taking you to a pacific northwest tribe as they looked like 300 years ago you know i mean like you're right on the money but see here's the thing is like uh i mean you're you're actually uh comparison to wakanda is spot on uh Mm -hmm. you know they they you know i'm a white dude so I, I look at this through white dude lenses as best mm-hmm. I can, you know. Uh, but from from my perspective, when I look at Wakanda and the Black Panther movie, uh, they do a tremendous job of asking the question, what would an African community look like that, A, had advanced technology, access to yeah. advanced technology, yeah, and B... Uh, was not subject to colonialism. Mm-hmm. And we get an amazing blend of sci-fi fantasy, uh, super tech, not tech stuff, and uh, a traditional culture, is, culture that, that has different tribes that, you know, I mean, you've got the guys who are in the, the cold weather spots and the mountains yep. and, and such, uh, and, and just this this blending of it, and we don't get any of that in this episode. Right. The only right. thing we get is, hey, look, remember those Salish Indians? Well, here they are, 300 years later, but nothing has changed, and they're on a different planet. When, when uh, what's his name? When um, Tanane first got on the scene, at first I was a little annoyed with, his, with, with how they were choosing to have him act. The mm-hmm. whole, like, I don't know, whatever, dude, whatever. As it as the episode wore on, I was jamming on that vibe. As I mentioned, I was kind of I was kind of like you know yeah like I appreciate um, a little bit of um, separation, some emotional separation of what Tanane was bringing. Um, he was experienced. It felt like he was experiencing every moment um, fresh. Sure. Like, Yep. Like here I am. This is where I'm at. This is what's going on right now. Uh-huh. Okay. This is what folks are telling me. I'm not so sure that what they're telling me is uh, all that accurate. I don't like uh these uh uh superior mining methods that they said that they have. That looks kind of like garbage to me. All right. Well, that was cool. Thanks for showing me around everybody. See ya. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I kind of well, like I love that. I also love that scene when when Daniel takes him into the the storage closet. Yeah. And he's like 
What's this? This is a storage closet. This is where we put things to store in case we need them later. Yeah. Okay. And then he's like, so why are we here? Well, we're looking for, you know... Uh, O'Neill, maybe at that point in time, I don't remember who. Yeah, no, it was. And they like, switched well, the line. He's not, not here. <laughs> <laughs> it um, was the uh, yeah Jackson. Yeah, Jackson was saying, you know, all right, look, I'm leveling with you. It looks like things are going crazy, and we got to go find O'Neill. <laughs> and tonight yeah. I was like, uh, well, he's not here. Not here. So let's, <laughs> I, no, no, I, I agree that that uh, Rodney Grant's acting uh, is really quite good and. And unlike other tropes, I'll grant him this, is that that his character is actually, as far as I can tell, internally consistent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and so I'll give him that, 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 you know, he seems to be this... Now, clearly not all of the those uh, Salish fo- uh, tribesmen were, were as chill as Tunani, but... Well, I, I would assume that they're not. We don't actually meet any of them functionally. Right. That um, was the other thing, too, is that there's this uh, one guy that's supposed to represent the entire group. But, but you know, know, but he's he's chill and, and he's consistent. You know, he's like, eh, they're about three days walk from here, two days walk here. You know, and I mean, he he's just got this chill, uh, very in the moment quality to him. Yeah, uh, and he keeps that throughout all of it, so it's not like here one minute and gone the next. And and uh, he seems to be a truly peaceful dude, open minded, um, with it all. Um, so you know that I I like, but everything else about the the Native American tropes in this, I use that word a lot now, but that's well what they because are. yeah. Um, you know, you brought up a really good point. You could, if the story was written, uh, not with a Pacific Northwest. Okay. Well, okay. One thing that I'm really trying to avoid doing though, honestly, is I'm trying to avoid saying something to the tune of, um, you know, gee, you don't have to beat me over the head with this again type of a thing. You don't have to be like, oh, look at how terrible people are when they deal with Native Americans. But, you know, the fact of the matter is uh, Western Europeans are terrible with Native Americans. Like, that was, I'm willing to stand up and say, you can't tell me otherwise. There is way too much evidence that says that that, uh, uh, Western Europeans were doing what Western Europeans have been doing, which is saying... Wow, this place is really cool. I'm gonna fight you for it. Oh, wouldn't you know it? I can kick your butt, and uh, that's that's what happened. And arguably, uh, you can say that Western culture uh, is continuing to do that even yeah, to this they, day. Yeah, um, it's it, yeah. And so this represents a moment where uh, folks are saying, you know, it could be a moment where folks are saying, "Hey, uh, take a look at this Pacific Northwest culture." That's pretty great too, isn't it? Um, and there's value in doing that. I think that's part of the reason why I'm not like, like, just throwing my hands up and going like this thing is the worst. Um, but within the construct of its own story, it's not even doing that very well. Um, you know the the yeah. the very just open aspect that you were bringing up at the very beginning of your analysis of it, which is y- you're doing the trope again, everybody. Like. Can you think of it a little differently, perhaps, is a valid point. Like, 
they're they're doing the trope again. It's it's you know like what are we what are we doing here? Are we just filling time? Like you could have told the exact same story with a different group of people who would be considered aboriginal and you would have gotten the point across just the same. And you may have even gotten the point across better. You would have had to been a little bit careful in this process because there there's it's just as bad to create an obvious, a, a so obvious parallel to who you're talking about that it becomes a bonk bonk on the head type of thing, and yeah, and, that's true. And you know, you don't want the 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 you know the the I don't know, pick the the I don't know, pick pick a name. Uh, you right. know, this tribe over there of, of of people who are clearly so different than everything else. Uh, but oh well, you know they're stand-ins for for every Native American group out there. We don't want that. Um, but at the same time, uh, if if you're going to pick up uh, a, a group that that actually exists, then you need to do something that that honors that. And I don't think filling it with a bunch of tropes is what does it. This is. I am I would be deeply interested to hear what other folks think about this. Like this one like I to me this one is fundamentally different than emancipation and I'm not exactly sure why I feel that way but I do. Uh maybe it's because emancipation was just Oh, man, that story was bad. It was just bad. It was a bad story. It had a lot wrong with it. It was way just it went so wrong so fast, so hard that it right. felt irredeemable. Whereas this one, like I mentioned, I'm you know it's it's kind of it's 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 okay. Um, you're bringing up really good points. Uh, I'm glad you are. It is uh, influencing how I'm looking at the story. It yeah, which is great. It's why we're doing this. Um, and I was really worried about it when I was starting to watch it, and then I, and then I was kind of reflecting about why I was feeling worried about it. I thought I thought it was an interesting emotion that I was bringing to the table with it. So there was a lot going on, mm-hmm. and in trying to watch the episode just fresh, just tell me what you're going to tell me. Okay, uh, I liked these parts. These parts were cool. That that that's great. La la la. And at the end, it's like okay, hooray, um, things worked out, and they feel. Kind of like a reset to zero. At least that's the way I'm seeing. Oh yeah, it is a reset to zero. They're gonna bury that gate. We're never gonna see, quote unquote. We're never gonna see these guys ever again. Um, where was I going well, with that? I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think that one of the biggest differences between this and emancipation is that uh, emancipation. If you take the in that case predominantly sexism and racism, yeah, out of it, you've got a bad story. Y- yes. Here, if you were to take out the overt racism here, the story itself still stands. Yeah. So there's some quality to this story that exists here that simply doesn't exist with emancipation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, it doesn't change the fact that the, the uh, uh, benevolent racism... Uh, in this is still uh, smacks you in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's what I think about it. So, yeah. Again, seriously, if somebody who's listening 
is saying, Brent, you have got this wrong. It's really about la, 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 la. This is how you're supposed to look at it or whatever. You know, like, I am not kidding. Take some minutes. Write that thing up. Send it to us by email for real. Because, you know, there's this. Because uh, I mean, there's just still that little bit of a hook in there about how just because they don't look like they have advanced technologically doesn't mean that they haven't done what they wanted to do. Now, I'm, you know what? No, you know, I'm going to back off that. You know why? Because that's me retconning really hard, right? Yeah. Um, I'm taking the story and I'm kind of forcing uh, an interpretation on it that it wasn't trying to do. It was trying to be like, hey, everybody, peace, love, and understanding. Woo! Which is great. I'm a big fan of peace, love, and understanding. Oh, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. And, um, and the, you know, Tonani, if he is an example of what that culture is like, uh, does a great job of recognizing yeah. the peace, the love, and the understanding of differences. That a whole idea at the very end says, well, you've been kind to me, um, so be in whatever form that fits you best, and I'll be good, and my people will be good. You know, yep. uh, I mean, th- th- that that that's wonderful. Yep. So... And I'll be honest, Brent, uh, folks out there, you can change my mind. I don't think you will, but you can. There's some malleability <laughs> there. So tell me what you think. Uh, yeah. If I got it completely wrong, and and uh, this is not about uh, some benevolent racism, uh, recognizing that benevolent is never actually benevolent when it comes to racism, but uh, there is that you know kind quality to it that uh, tries to make it look better than it is. Uh, yeah. In any case, if you can convince me that I am wrong, please tr- do it. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say. If you think I wasn't hard enough, let me know that too. Yeah, there's that too. Uh, yeah, if I'm giving this thing a pass because I like uh, I like peace, dude, like that was another thing. There was an awful lot going on. I was examining myself as much as I was the episode as I was watching it. Yeah. Like that's that was definitely happening, and so making trying to be objective in the analysis is getting complicated for me. Sure. Well, Brent, I think we're probably about that time. Where yeah, we have chewed on this quite well, and this has mm-hmm. been a good conversation. Yeah. Um, and now I say, Brent, spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Out of seven chevrons, how many does mm-hmm. it get? Well, so when I was starting the conversation, I was thinking that this was going to be about a three. And um, like a like a like a happy three. But as we're talking about it, like. I don't. I think it's a two. I think this episode is a two. Uh, There are. Uh, some really neato stuff about it that I liked. I li- you're right. I mean, like the acting was fun. There were parts of the story that were pretty cool. I did like uh, the relaxed atmosphere that Tanane brought. I did. I really did. I was getting a lot out of that. Um, you know, the makeup was interesting. The acting was good. You know, there was a lot in there that was a really, really good. But you can skip this one. <laughs> you can be just, you can bounce right over the top of this one. Uh, you know, I, I, this might have to be one of those provisional ratings that if later on stuff that was introduced in this episode becomes important later in the series, then I'm going to have to change my tune. But right now, first viewing of the entire series, like I didn't see anything in here that was particularly compelling for a person to spend their time watching. Like, right. That's kind of my metric right now. And so if that's the case, eh, it's a two. Mm-hmm. So, 
I've been thinking about this episode and trying to figure out what to rate mm-hmm. it. Uh, I will acknowledge that this is a little bit of an episode that's hard to skip because it introduces the idea of Trinium. It introduces the idea oh, of okay. this uh, super strong, lightweight metal that could potentially be used in other forms. Now, recognizing that in this situation with them not really getting much mind now and uh, then them closing the gate does make it hard to get trinium from here. But if trinium exists mm-hmm. on one planet, then that means it's likely to exist on other planets as well. Um, and so that kind of uh, idea as it develops um, is not without its val- value moving forward. That uh-huh. said, an introduction of trinium is something that could just as easily be tagged on for five or ten seconds to any old episode out there, and you would have gotten as much uh, information about yep. trinium as you did in this yep. entire episode. Um, I think you're right. I think it's a two. Um, I was actually thinking about what I wanted to give it, and I thought, okay, I gave Emancipation a point five. You gave it a one. <laughs> it is better than Emancipation. But it is not a good uh, – overall, it's not a good episode, in my opinion. Um, it, you could skip it unless you're a completionist like me, and I right. say that recognizing that I still haven't seen two seasons of The 17. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but what you have seen, you've seen in order, and it has been complete to date. True. Yes. Um, you know, but, you know, this is, is not a good episode uh, in that regard, and even – uh, I got to judge it for what it, what I have, and what I have is a lot of uh, racist tropes. In yeah, it. Um, I see the possibility of this episode being so much better if those racist tropes had been removed in favor of something more creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not mm-hmm. what was there, and so right. that's what I have a two. Man, you know, I mean, they could have even. They could have even had the culture not advance at all if they had t- just taken a minute to p- potentially explain why it hadn't evolved. Well, and they didn't uh, even do that. No, my question is: How did it not evolve when you go from a, a culture that does not have this advanced metal to one that yeah. is using this advanced metal yeah. everywhere? No. It's just it's just inconsistent. It's just um, inconsistent, and it, it, it's a, it's problematic. Well, Brent, yeah, the next episode. Of Stargate SG One yeah. is entitled Touchstone. Yeah. Okay. Tell me what Touchstone is about. All right, Touchstone. The SG One team travels through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. Side note: I seem to find that phrase every time I start one of these. Anyway, they travel <laughs> to the gate and find themselves in a well, strange world. Well, it is sort of what world. Stargate does. Yeah, that's right. I derailed you. I apologize. No, this one's a tough one. Alright, so, uh, this is not a... Uh, like, my brain's thinking, like, tires, and I can't remember why. Is there, like, a Touchstone brand of tires? There's like, Firestone. Maybe that's what I'm going at, and, and, you know, whatever. Okay, so... They go through the gate, and they find themselves in a strange world where uh, uh, no one seems to be around. They start to walk through the paths that are clearly laid out by someone, and they 
discover a vast and complex city. Again, though, when they look down at the city, it seems to be abandoned. But it is not without having been cared for. Everything's in its place. There are, there are what appear to be shops with things inside them, but nobody's there to buy them. What? There appears to be restaurants where people could be eating, but there doesn't seem to be anybody there. What's going on? As they continue to walk, they discover a fountain in the middle of this grand city. Again, no running water. It's very peculiar. It's just this stone structure. And right in the middle is a glowing stone. It appears to be red hot. But as they get closer, they realize there's actually no heat coming from it. Now, Dr. Daniel, da- Dr. Daniel Daxon. <laughs> Daniel Daxon. So I, I wonder, so, I, so what I'm going after, I'm going to quit it with the, with the voice. What, you know, I'm driving at like Daniel Jackson touches the stone and is transported over to another the dimension in the same way that he was done with the mirror. But then my brain was like, haha, isn't that funny that you transposed his letters because that's like the alternate version of him. And so now, now my trailer is all mixed up, mixed up and I'm just going to stop. I have no idea what touchstone is about. (laughs) So in the afternoons, we're apparently much more limber with our ability to spell things swiftly, but our creative juices might be a little bit on the weaker side. There you go. So we're good at the analysis and we're less good at being silly. No, that's not silly. (laughs) No, that's not true. (laughs) No, not even in the least. Uh, all right. But, all right. Let's see. Uh, can, can we see what Touchstone's actually about? Let's see what Touchstone's actually about. Are you ready? I am ready. Hitting go now. Next on Stargate SG-1. We may have stumbled on the most important piece of technology the SGC mission has discovered to date. A technological marvel disappears. The Touchstone maintains the weather on this planet. And SG-1 is held responsible. We demand you return the Touchstone! We did not take it. But the traitor is much closer to home. Our own people are involved here. Now to save the entire planet from complete Mm. destruction. We shall soon be overtaken by the elements. SG-1 must blow open a deadly conspiracy. How do you know oh, who to no. trust before it destroys them? Who's pulling the strings, Mayborn? Take a piece of advice. It's Mayborn! Hey, it's Mayborn! On the next Stargate SG-1. Huh. Wow. Okay, so at the very first, I was like, really? We're going to have an episode about a weather controller? I mean, <laughs> sure. But uh, yeah, what's going on? Well, we'll have to wait till next week to find out. Oh, is that the second gate? I wonder if that was the second gate. Okay, we're going to have to find out. Can we watch it now? Can I, can I stop what I'm doing? Can I like completely abandon all of my afternoon obligations, which are forcing me to be like, okay, let's get this thing done. And can I just watch the show right now? Um, you must finish the podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> After we finish the podcast, which admittedly has only got a couple more minutes left. Yeah, we're nearly there. But once we finish the podcast, Brent... You can do whatever you think is right. I'm a grown adult. You are. You can make (laughs) your own decisions. Yes. Uh, As questionable as those decisions may be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm excited. I think I think this one's gonna be a good one. We'll have to wait and see. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. 
us what you think about this episode, Spirits. We asked you for, for that. And we, for yes, real. Please. For real. Really, really. Email us and tell us what you think. Or post it up on Facebook, on their Facebook group. Or tweet it to us, I guess. Um, yeah, you can. You can. Okay. Although, it will... Uh, if, you, if, if your thoughts are summed up in one tweet, that might not be enough. Yep. So, uh, write a novel in tweets. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so, if you have greater thoughts, maybe Facebook is a better uh, platform on which to use. Or email yeah. us either way. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, I'm really interested to see what others think about this episode. Spirits. Uh, yeah, me too. So you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at Walking Through the Stargate. We have a Facebook page and the Facebook group, group Twitter, Stargate Walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else, Brent? That's it. All right. So until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.